Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Let's not make our uh, haunted New Year's Eve discussion depressing. But hey, you know what? You know what they say, new year, new me. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I'm starting over completely in 2023. Yeah. Does that mean we're going to start watching better movies or... Oh, fuck no. Sweet. If anything, the movies are going to get worse. Damn it. Worse than this? Yeah. I'm going to have oh. more time during the week now. I can just watch good movies during the week. I was getting ready to say, fuck, I don't know if I can do this show. <laughs> <laughs> no one can do this show? If this show, if it's, if this is a high point of the show, if these movies are the high point, then I don't know. I'm going to need some better games on my phone at least. I know something's going to happen. I <laughs> can uh, <laughs> Well, we're celebrating New Year's, and we're watching two shrug of the shoulders New Year's Eve movies. Really, let's be honest. the The theme this week is people get lost and they find an old deserted motel that happens to <laughs> have some evil goings on in it. That's the theme. For some reason, these are both New Year's movies ish, but it's irrelevant to the plot in both of them. <laughs> and it's weird how similar the plots are. Otherwise, <laughs> especially since I just like picked two random movies that yeah, supposedly like, took place on New Year's. And it's like, yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, to be upfront, I didn't get a chance to watch Bloody New Year because of all the goings ons today. But uh, I did watch Ghost Keepers, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, do you want to tell us about Ghost Keeper? Well, fuck, Brian. Uh, so Ghost Keeper, aka the Texas Lame Saw Massacre. <laughs> oh, come on. This is every bit as much a Shining ripoff as it is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some snowmobiling people are out snowmobiling and they see a sign that says, Don't go that way. So they go that way. They find an old lodge. And there's creepy murder rednecks that are crazy and living there. Although not in that good, exciting way. Like, like <laughs> or something like that. In the terrible, slow burn way of uh, some random old lady just talking about tea and grumbling about things not being the way they're supposed to be isn't it sort of like what would happen if it was like The Shining, but instead of ghosts, it was like the Fratellis from Goonies? A slightly more evil version of that family is living at the hotel. You're not wrong. Representation of this movie. Uh, the problem with this movie is almost nothing happens to the whole movie. Yeah. Like, this movie... 
this movie actually could be fixed. It's all right. Yeah, like I, I think this movie could be fixed if you just had more people. If that group of snowmobilers was five or six people, and we got a few more decent kills and not so much wasted time in between, I think this could be an okay movie. The atmosphere is not terrible. The kills are all right. The you know the the dirty grimy family is typical low budget Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff family. But the problem is it's real slow. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot happens. And then all of a sudden, two dudes show up and a chick gets grabbed and then her throat slit. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Picking up. And we got about another 45 minutes and nothing happening. <laughs> yeah, there's just like, I think, the, I think, I think the creepy atmosphere in the hotel works. I think the, the old lady that just talks about how things aren't the way they're supposed to be and all that. I think she's good. It's just, it's not enough to fill up the runtime of a film. Oh. And that's, I, th- I think you need a, a few more kills, a, a little bit more slasherness to this film, and it's fine. What the fuck is going on with the voiceover? I don't, I still, at the end of this movie, I'm like, I do not understand. But that one chick's crazy. What was supposed to happen. Yeah, she's crazy. And did she just go crazy from all the stress? Because, <sighs> crazy. So... Or was she crazy to begin with? I'm I'm giving the movie this. I don't think they do a good job of explaining it, but I think the story is supposed to be that there's like mental illness in her family, and that's why she gets really upset when anyone calls her crazy. But it turns out that she really is crazy, and she was the whole time. So that's why at the end she ends up like taking over as the new like keeper of the the ghost, which isn't a ghost. It's a just a redneck guy that nobody let go to school. But, um, it, you know, she, that she's going to take take over the keeper there. And the idea is that she's snapped and gone fully crazy. But I think there was always something in her. And I even sort of feel like there's a really unnecessary scene where her and her boyfriend get into this fight because she says that he sleeps with other women and then he's a coward because he won't even admit to it and stuff. And I think that that was them trying to show her being like paranoid and crazy like he the idea being he hasn't gone out and slept with these other women and she's just like making it up in her head because she's nuts, but it's just not very well executed. So I don't think it comes across that way. I was going to say like he was trying to fuck that blonde chick. So yeah, I don't know. It was, it was all very strange. Yeah. He was very suspect. Well, I, and I'm not sure if that was him or if that was like the actor, like just not being good at, at it. Like I couldn't tell the answer is probably yes. Cause there's times where he starts yelling at her and I'm like, like, is there a director telling him to behave this way because we're trying to get a character trait across? Or is this just how this actor portrays being like stressed out? And he just, this is what he knows how to do. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't even really know what else to talk about. Like, I feel like literally nothing happens in this movie. Can we talk about the the old guy at the store that, like, warns them not to go into the woods and kind of seems to know something's going on? And then he comes up like he's going to save the day. 
And then he just gets stabbed as soon as he gets there and is irrelevant plot-wise completely. <laughs> I, there was something about it that I, I really genuinely enjoyed. Like when like when you see him like come up to the like private property sign and like see he looks and he sees the tracks went and he's like kind of gives that huff like these fucking kids are in trouble. Someone's got to help him. And he's going with his snowshoes and he gets all the way up there and he's like creeping around. And then all of a sudden he just gets stabbed and just done. And I'm like, I really enjoyed that. Like whatever the, like the red herring is for a hero instead of the victim, the villains. <laughs> yeah, that was uh guess what guys, this movie's only an hour long. Got to find some other stuff to throw in. What if a guy just goes up, looks around and gets stabbed. But uh, like, what I'm saying is more body count would have made this, would have made this a fun movie. Like if you, yeah. if you just had three more kills, this movie would be perfectly acceptable. That, that's but, it. It's yeah. just, um, and he was one more, like he was one kill. That's good. That's enough. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But I like that. They didn't even bother. Like, well, I mean, could we find a way to maybe leave him into the story a little bit? And they're like, nah, well, he know it, the idea is that he's these, the crazy Ralph, right? He knows, something's going on up there that shouldn't be. And he is trying to, pr- to protect people, but he can't, right? He's the, the harbinger as they call it in uh, cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, he's that character. But the problem is like he, need, when he got there, he needed to do a little more maybe in order to serve that role. But it was fun watching him get stabbed. <laughs> yeah. They needed like a party scene or something. And, uh, you know, like 10 people yeah. get stabbed in the stomach and then we're yeah. dead. Just it, even if it was just like a group of six that went up there and just it, we, it wheeled its way down to like one or two survivors the way most of these types of movies do. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not a particularly long movie. Um, it's an like, hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. So you can't like it. You can't really cut the movie down to do something about the fact that the it's slow and a little bit boring. So you have to, you have to add more stuff in to fill up that time. That's yeah. yeah. It, it feels like it's an hour and 20 minutes and infinite seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. What about the, okay though, just so like, we're not completely shitting on this movie. What about when that guy's chasing the girl through the hotel and she does a thing where she goes out on the balcony and when he comes out, he, she nails him with a door and he falls off and gets stabbed on the fence. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I, I thought that that was a fun scene to watch. And then like when he's just hanging off the fence and then like, I guess it's his mom comes and gets him off the fence and is dragging his body around. Like I'm, I'm enjoying all of that. <laughs> just still being curmudgeon. Man, you yeah. can't boy. It's exactly. It's actually a reasonably good impression. (laughs) (laughs) Again, again, maybe the solution would have been to have two more family members that they had to kill. I don't know. More of the like people getting stabbed stuff, and less of the people like talking to each other about nothing and walking around a hotel, pretending they're in a pretending they're in like The Shining when clearly you're not capable of making the shining, which isn't a fair criticism because nobody is, but But there's the amazing plot point of the old lady attempting to convince that one girl that she is her long lost mother who she thought was dead for no reason. Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> I do love that the the crazy girl's reaction is actually appropriate and just going, what? This isn't getting goddamn. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> She's just like the viewer. Yeah, I don't know. This was a bad pick. <laughs> it was not good. It's uh, it's the it's the better of the two movies. Um, really, that's well, my view. Uh, yeah, this is going to be where Noah and I's views of movies just. Different. Oh no! Um, but like that, I think it's pretty predictable. I think what's how this next conversation is <laughs> going. But um, like I, I just think this one here, like I say, everything kind of worked okay. They just didn't have enough stuff to fill up a full length movie, and it makes it pretty it makes it boring to watch because well i don't know how many times can you watch people check if their snowmobile starts without getting bored <laughs> um all right well doug do you want to tell us about bloody new year bloody new year is a movie that is uh, not set on new year's um it's set in july well, not in this timeline but so basically the opening scene is a new year's eve party from 59 or 60 or something um, i guess i guess technically it'd be both right because party's not gonna end right at midnight um but then yeah everyone at that party just disappears and as an audience you just kind of go what and then fast forward to modern times which is 1987 and this group of wacky teens are raising trouble at the local carnival and get into a fight with carnies that lasts conservatively 15 minutes of them chasing each other around this carnival <laughs> and guys accidentally getting hit with like fucking uh, carnival rides in the head and shit like that. Um, you fall somewhere exactly in the middle of like Mad Max building hooligans in Scooby Doo. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> it's so weird because like the one guy is like old too. Like the two younger guys are like okay, you could argue that they're being their guys in their 20s. And then but this like their dad is like helping them chase these other teenagers around because what did those teenagers do? Tried to stop them from torturing a girl on the Tilt-A-Whirl. I'm like what is going on in this? Um but anyways, after they escape, that that's just over now. And after they escape, then they decide to just go for a boat ride. But they crash their boat and have to like swim to an island. <laughs> On that island, there's that's the hotel from the opening scene. And they can't seem to find anybody, but then weird ghostly things start showing up and happening. And that goes on for a while, in my opinion, too long. <laughs> then, then the punk guys from the beginning of the movie show back up <laughs> so that we can have them chasing them around as well. There's a weird combination of ghosts and zombies going on in this movie. And then the big reveal is that there was some kind of a weapon that went off and caused a time loop. And I sat there for several minutes waiting for them to explain how time loops lead to zombies, but they don't. And then the one girl is about to escape, but oh no, shock twist ending, because it's 1987, then she doesn't escape, so. So, I thought I'd seen this movie when I, uh, when I planned it. And I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, and so I was reading over, like, the full synopsis, just talking back, well, I've seen it before, let me refresh it. And, uh, I don't think I've seen this movie. 
<laughs> Seems like I remember a lot of weird uh, time loops and zombies and all that other stuff. Well, I mean, there was a lot of that going on in the 80s, and this is a pretty 80s movie, so it wouldn't, like, it would be easy to have uh, scenes from this mixed up with scenes from other movies in your brain if you haven't seen them since then. I do believe whenever I was watching this one, I made the comment that this movie was so 80s, I thought that it was actually a modern movie that was making a fake joke 80s. <laughs> it's it's got all that weird shit in it like that from 80s movies where it's like for some reason there's a group that's like on vacation together but it's two couples and a single guy and then a single guy meets up with a random and they're all like british and he meets up with like a random american girl and now she's part of the team and it's like wait she's gonna go out on a boat with these strangers into the ocean and then when it crashes she just now she's just part of the crew and nobody's like she's not freaking out saying i can't believe you idiots dragged me out here like it's everybody's just getting along through it all this and it's like it's the 80s was a weird time man <laughs> yeah, I, I will say we were joking about the last movie was basically some kind of a hybrid ripoff of texas chainsaw massacre and the shining yeah Oh, this one is some kind of a uh, weird bad ripoff hybrid of phantasm and uh evil dead <laughs> yeah i i got evil dead vibes off this too Not very much just like because it was a hotel instead of a cabin you don't immediately associate them but the weird like zombies and creatures showing up and you're just like okay like but that that's what made the time loop explanation so weird to me at the end i'm like i don't why would time loops? I don't understand any of it. <laughs> the the main antagonist zombie chick seems to be going out of her way to like fuck with them. Yes, because there's there's a, like you could do it where there's just zombies at the fucking hotel or monster people at the hotel. Then you could say the weapon had radiation in it and whatever like that's fine like that would be a movie or you could do it where they get there and the hotel's like air quotes haunted and they find out that there's these people that are stuck there since the 60s because this weapon went off but they kind of try to do both and it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't really work yeah this one i i have weird feelings about it so i've got a lot of the same problems that i had with the last one where it's boring like it takes yeah. so up to start happening i think the difference is this one has a little bit more uh gory gross random little things that happen occasionally that's enough for me to be like yeah yeah <laughs> I, like i agree that it has more most of it's not very well done in my view like there's one point where like this like weird monster thing is attacking the girl and the guy walks up with like a like a fireplace poker and he pokes it and then it, it's just gone now. That's it. And I'm just like, what the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> I thought he was going to have to fight that monster. But no, once he, like, made it slightly uncomfortable, it just left, apparently. And I'm like, I don't it's stuff like, like that. Leads into the table and then it's gone. It's really weird. Yeah, it's uh, I didn't understand it and I didn't particularly enjoy it. There's one moment where one of the zombie things punches through someone's stomach, like Terminator style. And I'm, I'm down for that kill. That was pretty good. What about the weird head twisting kill, Noah? What did you think of that? 
<laughs> I don't know. That, the, the problem is they put the camera directly on it and they <laughs> lasted too long. So it wrapped around from being a horror effect to being a ridiculous comic effect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I also felt like like so she's turning the head and she's turning it all the way around, right, on the guy. And I'm like, so she's gonna rip that head clean off. But she just kind of gets it all the way back around. And I'm like, that's not that's not working for me at all. And then like she he just dies from his neck breaking, but your neck doesn't have to go all the way around to break. Like uh, and whenever they show him, they like uh added an effect of like almost like a bone kind of sticking out of his neck, but it doesn't look like bone. It looks like a slug. It's really weird. Oh, that was supposed to be a bone? I think so. Okay, if I'd known that was supposed to be a bone, I'd... That was a bad bad guy because of his neckerchief. Yeah. He's wearing the neckerchief of evil. Well, all neckerchiefs are evil. Um, Not on Fred. Listen, we all know that if that show had gone on long enough, Fred would have turned on that group. <laughs> Wait, is there a difference between a neckerchief and an ascot, I guess? I mean, well, that's a question for Noah, not for me, I assume. I assume you know, you know which one of us has an answer for that. It's a difference. A, a neckerchief makes you look like some kind of uh, sleazy bandito. Or a gay Puerto Rican man. One, <laughs> and the ascot just assures that you're evil because you know how to tie an ascot. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> was the worst breakdown ever. Most most neckwear is in fact evil. I agree with that. I can get behind a scarf in the right circumstances. Right. Which is basically it's cold enough that you need one. Or if it's if it's red in your nose is long enough, it also makes you the shadow. So. <laughs> Listen, I don't know that I want to be friends with people who are just being the shadow for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> the shadow knows. Yes. <laughs> All right. Slightly off topic again here, guys. I hate to be that guy, but Right. A... But this movie, like it like you said, man, it just I don't know. The parts that drag drag too much, it's not good. It, I can't even say it's worth a watch, but I didn't I wasn't completely miserable watching it. But I'll tell you what, I watched them in the reverse order. So I watched this one first and then Ghost Keeper. Yeah. So this one drug and it was really slow. But I was like, okay, that was really slow, but it was okay. Let's watch the other one. And then it was even slower. And I was like, oh my God. Well, and I. So I also watched them in that order. And I think that for me, it helped because it made me more forgiving of Ghost Keeper because I. Because I am like, okay, at least the atmosphere is working. At least it feels like we're in a horror movie, you know? Um, and even if nothing's happening, at least at least I know theoretically that something scary could happen because they 
they have scary music and it's, it's an old dark hotel in the winter. So you know how that works. Right. This one felt really weird too. Like, cause the hotel was, it felt too clean and there's like a ghost maid walking around and I'm like, wait, so that ghost maid actually cleans. That's the implication of this movie. She's not just a ghost maid. She's actually keeping the hotel clean in case people wander in and then they have to stick the zombies on them, I guess. Well, and it's clean because everything resets. Everything keeps resetting over and over and over again. Which is weird. Because the idea, they, you know, the whole idea of the movie is they keep saying time loops, but it's not, it's not exactly time loops. Well, because the things that happen, it's just then the room rewinds to its original state. And the new thing happens. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't really understand what was going on, and that's part of my frustration with the film. It was badly. Badly written, bad concept. Yeah. Again, like, I think you have to make that decision. Are you making your Evil Dead movie where... There's monsters and shit because of evil or there's zombies. You can make that movie or like, like, what are you doing, though? And they didn't seem to make the decision. And that's the problem, I think. Well, I guess I could say I'm not disappointed I didn't watch this. No. If anything, like this is proof that we shouldn't do New Year's episodes. (laughs) Apparently these are barely even New Year's related and they're not good and we could have used the other the actual plot similarities as our theme anyway so if we really wanted to watch them we'd find a way i said the uh you know the trend continues i feel like we have yet to find a new year's horror movie that is actually like good uh you can shut your horror mouth because new year's evil is fantastic Fantastic is a very strong word. Fantastic. Fantastic is way overselling. I love New Year's Evil. I think you're both dumb. Was that on this podcast that we did a commentary track for? You sure did. Was that a previous podcast? It was this one. All right. So I think it was. Because I was looking up to see if we had done Bloody New Year before, and I saw it on on the old website. Yeah, okay. I assumed that was this show, but it doesn't mean nothing. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm willing to take your word for it. I, well, now I need to know. My curiosity is booked. All right. Well. Um, do you have anything else about Bloody New Year? Not really. I did. Like, I, I think the difference between these two movies is whether you're, you're opinions more aligned with me or with Noah. It's just, this one was a little crazier, a little wackier, but in my opinion, since it didn't make sense, that doesn't, that's not justified. And like, I don't know. You know what else I noticed? Like this is, this might be nitpicking and you guys can tell me if it is, but when the, the final two people get to the boat that the the punk gang had used to get to the island and they get in it and they're going to use it to go home now, but then they don't, end up not making it. And we also noticed there was, a, there was a rowboat, but there was no oars in that boat. So I don't know what their plan was as soon as they got like 10 feet from shore because they couldn't row that boat to go anywhere. So... But I don't know. That seemed yeah. like a problem to me. Okay. <laughs> is, is that nitpicking or is that pointing out flaws in the movie? I'm not sure. 
Um, so I figured out our confusion there, Doug. It, it was the show, but apparently Scott joined us to do um, the commentary. <laughs> I should have known when it was problematic that Scott was involved. <laughs> of course. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, we forgot to mention, as Noah apparently drags his phone across the floor, um, that Noah... Noah's uh, living it up in a one in a a single bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow you time traveled to like the forties, where old women would just rent out rooms in their house to the factory workers. <laughs> Basically, living in a Texas Chainsaw Murder house, and it's so. And so, Plainfield is a very busy city. About a hundred yards. To one side of this farmhouse is a giant modern high school, like a huge, beautiful, big city high school. And if you go 200 yards in the other direction, you hit nothing but pre-planned subdivisions with giant houses. And in between those is this pitch black area with no street lights. <laughs> in this one strange fucking house. That has three bedrooms in it that are rented out separately, and then the rest of the space is shared. But I'm the only person renting a room right now, so it's just a quiet, empty murder house. Oh, you know that old woman's trying to fuck Noah. Wait, is she in the house? Do what? No, she like she's so she's not part of the house either. Okay. See, I thought she was. Like the way you described it, I thought she lived in the house and rented out the other rooms. No, they okay. live in a different house. They rent out all the rooms in this house. So this is completely uh, empty. So at any point in time, the weirdest possible fucking person could just suddenly be your roommate. Yes, correct. I'm gold. Yeah, like honestly, like you'll you'll let us know right because i want i kind of want that to happen <laughs> i just i just really 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 want you to be like go out to your kitchen one day and no one told you that you have a new roommate and it's you know a midget with a siamese twin and you're just like ah, i don't know what to do here <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest guys i would prefer that <laughs> some crazy awful roommate right now because this house is so once again there's no ambient light that comes from outside this house so the whole house is pitch black other than the room i'm in and it's i don't know it's it's an old house so it makes those weird noises those inexplicable old house sounds do you it's spooky i don't like it is everything else at least furnished Ish. So there's no living room furniture. So that room's just completely empty. Okay. There's a living room table with two chairs. And there's like 
appliances. So there's like an old rusty refrigerator <laughs> and an electric stove. All right. And do you want? How are we supposed to know to send the police? Like, how how will we know when the murder happens? I don't know. I'm assuming I'll quit answering everyone's calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's nothing new. You didn't answer uh, none of our messages today. So you got home from work. Sorry, I was out looking at houses. That's fine. You don't need to apologize. I'm just pointing out facts. Yeah, you can be dead in your house for a long time with your weird. So I I put not an official offer, but I've I put a feeler out about one of them to see how they react because I lowballed them a little bit. Be like, would you take this? She's like, this says twenty dollars, and you're like, yeah, that's my offer. Well, I think they're, I think, I think they're asking for two hundred and twenty-five thousand, and I said one hundred and ninety thousand. Good lord, Jesus Christ! It's like, it's like two of my houses. Jesus Christ! You guys talking those numbers? Like, I, I live in a world where the, those numbers don't exist in the housing market here. That's that's a one-bedroom condo here. It must be nice to be rich, Doug. It's not. I wish housing was more affordable. <laughs> I was, was going to say, hey, guess what that house is, Doug? That is 1,800 square feet. 1,800? 1,800 square feet. And, and it's in, like, the historic district. It's a really cool house. I, I literally live in, like, 1,200 square feet, and it's a semi-detached. And I, I'm guessing my house would go for over five. Now, I know there's... Uh, issues with the conversion of the funds, but still, right. So I live in I live in about thirteen hundred, and after I got a couple grants from the city, I had to finance about ninety grand. Jesus, and it's a three bedroom, one and a half bath, with a with a living room and, and then a family room in the back. Because my my house, you know, me and Char's current house is about a little short of twelve hundred, and it's so small, it's like so cramped. And you guys' house was so big. Hmm. Anyways, well, now that we're bragging about where we live, uh, the original point was to point out that Noah sounds weird because he's recording on Skype on his phone. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, gl- I'm glad that took 15 minutes and <laughs> so- somehow transitioned into us uh, talking about Real estate how, how much our how much our houses cost and how big they are. All right. Uh, so- and the hillbillies living in basement. <laughs> um, so before Noah gets murdered, uh, and we didn't do it last week because of our special program, should we talk about stuff we've been watching lately? So I didn't watch much, guys. Uh, doing the house searching and all that, and watching these two movies that sucked the life out of my body. <laughs> the only thing else I've been watching is I just I decided to uh, fire up the old Doctor Who, since that's a show that my wife doesn't much care for, and since I'm 
all by myself in the spooky part. Yeah. Reliving some uh, Matt Smith gold, huh? Actually, one hundred. That's exactly what I did because I oh, put. Oh shit! <laughs> that's like your least favorite one, though. Yeah, 100%. So I quit watching back in the day when David Tennant left and Matt Smith became it. Because I, and I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I didn't give him a fair shake. He was my favorite. So I'm, I'm trying to get, I'll tell you what, I like him more this time around. And I think maybe it's because I'm not comparing him to David Tennant. Which is fair. Because I didn't want to like him. Like, the first time he showed up, I uh, I was like, well, he's not David Tennant. He's no good. And within the first episode, I'm like, oh, he ended up being my favorite. And that was true. Because then I watched Peter Capaldi afterwards. I'm like, I don't like this. And then I watched a little bit of the Jody uh, Whitaker. Not into that either. So I just stopped watching altogether. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I, I think part of it, maybe, man, Matt Smith's got a weird fucking head. What the fuck? <laughs> he does. He's got a weird, I don't want to say he has a, a pumpkin head. He has more of like a gourd head. Yeah, it is. It is, first of all, shaped wrong. It's not the way, it's potato-y. He has a lumpy, angular head that does not makes sense and it is not in proportion to the rest of his body so not only does he have a weird head but it's a bobble head on top of his skeleton body (laughs) (laughs) so how far in have you gotten so far uh episode five maybe six oh okay so you're pretty you're pretty uh, new to this uh, this endeavor. Like, like past the uh, the weeping angels and stuff. Cool. But yeah, that's it. What have you been watching, Doug? Um, I've been making my way through my typical Christmas stuff, so not much to say about it because everyone can just go back and listen to last year's episode, I guess. I watched Krampus again. That movie's really good, if you guys are wondering. Yeah, I'm going to make it a point, because I actually have a four-day weekend coming up at the holiday. Yeah. And I want to watch the, uh, because I have the Naughty Cut on Blu-ray, which is the unrated Uh, extended cut. Yeah, I want to see that, and I just... Yeah, I don't know what the big difference is, but I'm curious to find out. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you on that, because I really... I'm, I very much want to see it, and I just keep forgetting it exists. And then I, when I want to watch Krampus, I'm just like, I want to watch it right now. I'm just going to watch the version I have easy access to. Yeah, that's fair enough. Which is also yours, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I do have to own it digitally too for some reason. Yes, I, I I watch your digital copy, and you watch your hard copy. It makes total sense when you think about it. Sure. <laughs> Um, what I rewatched that I, I forgot it was even Christmassy, but the children from 2008, um, British family gets together for the holidays and the children go nuts and start killing everybody. Have you, have you guys seen this one? No. It's, 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 it's like really good. Um, I, I remember enjoying it. I hadn't seen it since it was new. 
and I was just like in the like Christmas section of Shutter, and they're like, I'm like, oh, that's a Christmas movie. I forgot. I knew it had snow in it, but it's um, <laughs> like I don't know. There, it's not the most gory film in the world, but there are some very good kills. The kids are pretty creepy. Um, there's some moments where the parents have to fight back against the, the killer children, and I I don't know. There's something I enjoy about that where they um they just beating the hell out of these like evil kids, and you're like they're evil enough that I can enjoy watching this. Um, and it's it's one of these ones where there's not a great explanation given. It's almost like it's like a prequel to a Children of the Corn type situation where the kids just all of a sudden go evil and start killing off the parents and no one really knows why. Um, I like it a lot. There's a, a weird subplot involving like a, a teenage girl that's there, one of the cousins, and people start trying to blame her for the shit that's going on because people can't accept that the kids are doing it and stuff. And it sounds kind of dumb when you say it like that, but it's actually pretty, it's pretty neat to watch because she's like one of the main characters and you get to watch her like trying to be the hero and all of a sudden like her own dad bashes her over the head and locks her in a room. Um, again, apparently when you bash a child over the head, that's something I can enjoy and get behind. <laughs> but it's, it's a big recommend. I don't think you need to watch it at Christmas time. It just happens to be set at Christmas time, but that's just the excuse for this family to get together. Um, the important thing is that the children are killing people. So, <laughs> Cause that's what the season is about. Really? It really is. Yeah, well, it's, the cousins from the different families learn to come together and work together as a team, Brent. Because it's hard for kids to kill adults. They have to work together. <laughs> Fair enough. The reason for the season is murder. <laughs> well, it's every bit as much tied into uh, most of the traditions that people follow as that old Jesus thing is. So uh, I'll just casually throw that out there and we'll move on. Um, <laughs> The one I just watched, which was the first time watch for me, is uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. <laughs> I, I still haven't watched it yet. Which is just, uh, it's just the, the PG-13. It's, honestly, I was hoping it was more edited um, and more changed. It's basically just Deadpool 2, but literally swearing is, like, beeped out and nudity is, like, blurred. <laughs> <laughs> and there's um, a cut, weird... Cut about what they get about 20 minutes of stuff from the movie and then replace that 20 minutes with the friend savage stuff. Yeah. So you get this weird wraparound story where Deadpool has kidnapped Fred Savage and has tied him up in a recreation of the set from uh, <laughs> Princess Bride and is reading him the Deadpool 2 story. So. Which is the only reason I even I even like oh, it's was okay with them doing this version. Because when they're like, oh, it's going to be a PG-13 version. I'm like, what the fuck? Don't even fucking bother with that. That's bullshit. But we're going to have Fred Savage, and he's going to be kidnapped and forced to recreate the wraparound story from Princess Bride with Deadpool as the grandpa. And I'm like, all right, god damn it. Just let me know when it comes out. I'll fucking buy it. <laughs> it's, um... and it's, pretty, it's pretty great because 90% of that is just Fred Savage talking shit to Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. 
it's like he's and i like when he starts nitpicking the movie at different points he starts like when because <laughs> at one point in the movie if, if you'll recall juggernaut rips uh, deadpool in half and then deadpool is like regrowing his body and this is where some of the nudity needs to be blurred out because he's got his little tiny wang dangling down there <laughs> um but all of a sudden it cuts back to fred savage first he's like i don't understand though like if the body regenerates then is the other half also regenerating a new top half for itself or you're gonna have to explain this later in the plot and deadpool's getting all mad at him he's like no none of this matters and he's like no it does matter because are there gonna be two deadpools later like are they gonna be on the same team or he's like and i'm like i love that fred savage is ruining the movie for deadpool the way i've ruined movies for people uh the funny thing is doug uh since i know you don't read a lot of comic books anymore um that actually was a plot point for a Deadpool storyline for a while. Oh, really? So that probably is where they got that joke from. Maybe. But so someone is going across the multiverse and killing off every version of Deadpool that they can find. Right. Uh, the big reveal at the end is it's actually Deadpool that is killing Deadpool, but it's a version of Deadpool of a lot of discarded like limbs and body parts have all like merged together to create like an evil Deadpool. And he's pissed that like, you know, Deadpool just gave up on him because, you know, hand gets cut off. He's like, eh, well I'll grow another one then walks away. <laughs> and so like all these parts come together to form a Deadpool and then try to kill off every Deadpool they can find. That's funny. I was I like, that's fantastic. Oh, anyways, so anyways, you should watch that, Brian. You'd enjoy it, and it's not that Christmassy. You can watch it anytime you do. It's advertised. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Turns out they couldn't turn Deadpool two into a true Christmas movie. Uh, well, reports are that Ryan Reynolds uh, has said that him and his writing partner actually wrote a script for a Christmas Deadpool movie that Fox turned down. Well, you know what. Maybe that can be a holiday special for Disney Plus next year. Exactly. That'd be perfect. So, I look, I, yeah, now I want to see that. I don't have much else to talk about movie-wise. You guys want to hear about a movie I tried to watch, but it didn't work out? Sure. So everybody keeps telling me that the 2006 Black Christmas re-rake is totally watchable. And that I shouldn't hate it. Saw in the theater. That's the only time I've ever seen it. I I haven't seen it since it was new. Probably. I think it was probably the Christmas after it came out. I probably rented it or something. And I didn't like it. But I I let the internet convince me that it's my hatred. It's my love for the first one that is like the reason I don't like this that remake and I'm not even going to watch the 2019 one like they were they made it very clear in their yeah. trailers that they did not want me watching that movie so I yeah. won't that's that's fine they can have their movie um, I don't know but, I, I don't think they can have their movie because that well, movie is fucking god awful whatever I, I'm never going to see it so it doesn't matter to me but the 06 one I'm like okay like everybody keeps telling me that it's not that bad like I should go back and watch it so man I tried it's terrible like, it is terrible like it is like it's first of all i, I can't tell. one of two things happened either 
they're like, we're going to do a Black Christmas remake. And then somebody was like, but we want to be cool and different from the other ones. So we're going to insert it and change everything. And then we're going to insert this weird, like, incest backstory, but we'll execute it very poorly. But at least we'll have this gross incest thing and we'll know who the killer is this time. So it's different from the original. That could have happened. Or conversely, they could have had this movie in place and just tried to change it into a Black Christmas remake by adding in all these references to the original. But either way, it's like these two things don't work together. You know, make up your mind which kind of movie you're making. If you want to do a Black Christmas remake, make a fucking movie about girls getting stalked in a house and you don't know who the killer is. If you want to do a movie about how this like weird guy escaped the, the mental institution and he's yellow for reasons that I couldn't be bothered to listen to, then make that movie. That's a different movie, though. You can't make both. And it's just it's fucking dumb and it's everything else everything about the movie is bad it's it's shot terribly they fucking they're trying to make a serious movie and they start using dutch angles at one point and i'm like you can't do that that's how you tell me that your movie's not serious you can't have everybody pretending to be in a serious movie and then use the shots that we use to indicate that you're showing camp like make up your fucking mind what are you doing and then the editing is shit like the the backstory for the Billy character is just like seemingly randomly edited into the movie. I don't know. And there's all these dumb moments where like girls are suddenly surprised to find other girls in their house. But I'm like, don't you all? It's a sorority house. You all live there together, right? You can't be that surprised when somebody who lives in the house is at the house. That's not how it works. Like, what is wrong? And all these actresses who are like decent in other things are terrible in it. And you're just, I don't get it. Like the only exception, Michelle Trachenberg is actually okay in the first half of the movie that I could sit through. I'm like, the other ones, they're all terrible. And I'm like, I've seen these girls in other things. They're not that bad. Like it's, it's one of those ones where you're like somebody behind the scenes is making them be bad actresses somehow. I don't know how. I'm like, why are you doing this? Oh, it's just it was so frustrating trying to watch it and I'm just like I fell asleep and I like when I woke up it, it had ended and I'm like oh thank god like I was like relieved <laughs> like I, I just I don't know man I don't I don't understand what people see in that movie I guess some people like just have lower standards for films than me but in a world where there's so many good Christmas horror movies that we could talk about and you can watch cheesy ones and you can watch violent ones and you, know, you can watch ones with really good kills in it this one doesn't have good kills in it but, you know not the first few anyway um, I don't just I, I don't get it I don't understand what it is that people like about it uh, yeah, the only th- real thing I remember is uh, that when Billy kills his mom, he makes skin cookies and eats them. Yeah, that's it. But it's it's like a really un it's it's one of those moments where you're watching it and going, like, what does this have to do w- with our movie about sorority girls getting murdered? Mm-hmm. Like it, yes, it's a gross moment where he like literally uses cookie cutters to cut her skin out and stuff. But why is it happening? Like, it's, you know, I, I don't. I, yeah. I, well, again, it's the it's the mistake that I'll, I'm sure this is a movie made by committee, of course. And yeah. so someone's note was, well, in the original movie, they didn't they didn't tell us who Billy really was. 
So we need to know everything about Billy in this movie. Yeah. And and you're like, no, that's that's the part we don't want. But you can yeah. update it and not fix that part because that part is what helped really work in the in the last movie. Yeah. And again, like I, 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 my question is, is, is what you're saying happened or is it that they were going to make this weird horror movie and somebody said, why don't we slap the name Black Christmas on it and have there be like the drunken old lady that's in charge of the house and all that kind of stuff so that we can have that marketing ploy either way, make up your fucking mind. Which movie are you trying to make? Because you can't make both. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And I don't know. It's. It was frustrating. It was frustrating to watch, and that's not what you're supposed to happen when you watch a movie. And I, like, I intentionally watched it like now because I'm the furthest possible. I watch the original every year on Christmas Day, so I was like, this is as far as I can get from <laughs> from my last viewing of the original. Like, you know, I, I thought maybe I, I thought maybe that there would be something redeemable there, and I really just didn't feel there were. And man, I was, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too worked up about a movie that I already knew I didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like annoying. And I don't. It's I I don't. There's not much to say, I guess, like every every element of it is done poorly. The good thing is, you know, for sure, you never, ever need to watch it again. Yeah, that's true. There's a scene in this fucking movie where a girl like goes outside and drops her like cigarette down a hole in her own like front step and then act shocked that it's there that's the that's those that's the front step you go out on every day that's where you go to smoke like (laughs) you're not a visitor to this house you're not supposed to get shocked by things in the house that's uh. people people are dumb yeah anyways but that's i mean that's pretty much it i don't know you you want to know if whether i like miracle on 34th street still i do um, stuff like that. <laughs> My kid has made me watch the Scott Mosier version of The Grinch twice already. I probably have to watch yeah. it again. Nice. So, I still haven't, haven't watched it. I don't really like it that much. It's it's not terrible. Like this, it's not bad. It's just it feels like in in some cases it feels like it's updated for the sake of updating it. You know, like we have to be mm-hmm. different from other things. There yeah. are elements of it that are kind of funny. Specifically, it's like. No, but we have like a half hour version. Do we really need like? Yeah. I mean, we really didn't need the the Jim Carrey one either. Yeah. And that, I mean, definitely, I haven't seen the Jim Carrey one in a couple of years, but I think it, my memory of it is that it feels a little stretched out. Like we're adding in some of these flashbacks and stuff just for the sake of having them. And this one kind of feels the same way. There's like a subplot where they go and get an actual reindeer and there's one really funny joke where like they have this reindeer mating thing and they blow it and then like a goat comes up and the Grinch is just like that's this didn't work at all like, it's, I don't for some reason I find it very funny because they like they're like blow this huge horn thing and they make a big scene of it and then just a goat shows up <laughs> nice but yeah I don't know is there any, any other things that you guys think I've watched <laughs> uh no i'm sure if there was and you wanted to talk about him you would yeah i don't i like i say it's not 
anything else I've ta- I've watched has just been the same Christmas stuff that you've heard me talk about in the past, and there's yeah. not much left to say. So, have you watched anything, Brian? Uh, I have actually. I went on a kick because oh. you know it's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So when it gets cold out and it's snowy and it's getting dark early, you know, like the neighbor's got like those icicle lights on his garage that, you know, flash different colors. He's got one of those lights that like shines on the front of his house and moves around and stuff. So I was like, of course, this definitely gets me in the mood to watch like 60s and 70s thrillers. Because, I mean, of course. Yeah, I can see that. How could you not experience all that and be like, well, you know what? Nice political thriller from like 1969. Sounds real good right about now. Uh, So over on Talk Without Rhythm, uh, our good buddy El Goro was doing Neo November. And he was going to talk about the 74 movie, The Conversation. uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, man, I bought that like couple years ago because it was like super cheap on a pretty nice blu-ray set so i'm like oh i still haven't watched that yet this would be a great time to watch it then i can listen to the podcast so watch that gene hackman uh pretty good thriller um it it starts out just more you're just following gene hackman around because he's like one of the best like buggers like ever okay so we just sort of follow him around and we see all of his weird eccentricities. Like he comes home and finds out that his landlord had come into his apartment and like left just like a bottle of like booze or something. Cause he found out it was his birthday and he didn't even come really come into his house. He just came in, like he took one step into his apartment and like left it there and then mm-hmm. left. And Gene Hackman calls and complains and he's like, no, I don't want you come in my, in my apartment. Uh, I don't even want you to have a key. I feel like I should be the only person that has a key. It just goes off and off about how upset he was that someone had invaded his apartment, which I mean, for the most part, I can understand, but it wasn't like, like he, like the guy came in, snooped around and then he caught him like red handed or anything. Yeah. He's like, Oh no, I just heard it was your birthday. I bought this bottle of booze for you and just left it in here. Um, and he has very specific ways and like he's there. He's, dating Terry Gar and goes over to her apartment and he's very paranoid about uh, who sees him goes there and everything. And uh, when they're talking, it, it, it's revealed through dialogue that she really doesn't know that much about him. She doesn't right. really know what he does or anything. Um, and so he's just very paranoid about his, his work and he gets hired to like spy on these two people and he doesn't hundred percent know why. And he's trying to be super professional. He's like, well, it doesn't matter what what we're spying on them for. We're just, it's our job to court them and make sure they, you know, we get this back to the people and all this stuff. It's just a really interesting uh, sort of character study of this weird, kind of weird guy. He's really paranoid about stuff. And uh, from listening to Talk Without Rhythm episode, he did a lot more research than I was planning on doing. And apparently this is just a very different performance from Gene Hackman that up to that point people hadn't seen. Like before this, he was really famous for like the French connection. And that's just a completely different character than what he was playing. So from just like watching somebody really grab a role and do um, like a character performance, 
apparently this opened a lot of eyes for him and he got a lot more opportunities after this movie. Okay. So it's just, it's really interesting. If you're into like seventies stuff like this, it's, it's, it's actually been on my watch list for a long time. I just, I never got around to it. So yeah. Sounds like I probably should. Yeah. He's really good in it. Um, it's got a baby Harrison Ford in it. Like a literal baby. No, he looks he, he looks like he's twelve, which means he was probably thirty five because he didn't really start doing big roles until he was like in his thirties. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to watch. Uh, I followed that up with a nineteen seventy two movie called What the Peeper Saw. I already uh, like this one, by the way. This <laughs> that's the best title I've heard in a long time. This is a uh, Brian Blind uh, Brian Blind Buy from a while ago. I, I just sometimes I see weird plots and I'm like, yeah, that sounds interesting. If they're like, you know, under ten bucks, I'll throw them in the cart yeah. and buy them. And I've had this one for a couple of years, just never really watched it. And uh, turns out this woman, well, she gets she gets married to this guy. The guy tells her like, oh, I have a son that's in boarding school. Um, he might be coming home like for spring break or something. Well, he comes home a couple days early and he's like, Oh, you're my new stepmom. Turns out he, uh, he said it was because there was like a chicken pox outbreak at the school or something. So they sent everybody home early. Okay. Uh, it turns out he may have, uh, killed a cat at school. And, uh, the best of us. Yeah. So they sent him home and, um, Begins to come out that uh, maybe uh, his dad's first wife, his mother, maybe her death wasn't completely accidental and he may have had something to do with it. So it gets a little like evil kid, diddy or didn't he sort of thing. Okay. Um, It is. I want to say this is Italian. So, of course, there's nudity in it, which isn't a terrible thing. Um, yeah, apparently the big actress was, uh, Brett Eklund, who was sort of big in European movies. Um, movie was okay. It, I mean, it's 1972, so it drags a little bit. Um, and there's not actually, there's not exactly like big, like set pieces to sort of ramp up your excitement again. There's just like little stuff peppered throughout it. So it's not the worst movie, but could have been better. Uh, let's see. I followed that up with a 1967 movie called The Champagne Murders. And this one stars one uh, Anthony Perkins. Okay, I've heard uh, of this one too. I've, ne- I've never seen it. Yep, this is another uh, Brian Blindby. Uh, he, Anthony Perkins apparently m- marries this woman who's like the head of like a champagne company. And she is like the r- super duper rich. So he kind of is now a man of leisure. Um, and he's constantly like cheating on his wife and stuff. And he's just kind of shitty. So he goes out with a friend of theirs, a friend of his. And then, uh, every time they go hang out, like a woman ends up showing up dead and everybody thinks it's like, uh, Anthony Perkins friend. 
Um, and he even went to an asylum for a while because they thought, you know, he had some, like, uh, what the fuck did they used to call it? Shell shock or something. Um, but now he's out and they go hang out again. And of course, another woman ends up dead. Um, and then there's just sort of a mystery, like that unfolds, like what's actually going on. Someone just trying to drive him crazy again as a scapegoat. Um, that sort of thing. So it's kind of fun. It's very Hitchcockian. Um, maybe it doesn't succeed as much as I would want it to, but you know, it's an interesting watch. I always like seeing Anthony Perkins and stuff just because he's usually not playing Norman Bates. And so it's nice to see him just kind of try to do something else, even though yeah. the world kind of wouldn't let him. It's sort of weird because he's such a good actor when we see him in things, even if right? you know, he does have to stare at Oker's butt and I <laughs> level. Yeah. St- still, like he does a good job of whatever we see of it. And yet, Everyone just assumes he's just like Norman Bates. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that was a fun watch. So I guess if you get a chance and you're into that sort of Hitchcockian uh, sort of stuff, it's definitely worth looking at. Uh, I watched a documentary called The Horror Crowd. Uh, this is from like two years ago. Um, sort of talking about just like sort of a select group of people who are really into like the horror genre in LA sort of like that younger crowd. Like they sort of talk with like Darren Lynn Bowsman in, uh, um, oh, who's the other, uh, oh, damn it. There was like some other big guy that whose name is familiar, but I can't remember, but it's just this sort of group in LA that really likes like horror stuff. And, uh, one of Doug's old friends, uh, Mr. Ryan Turk, Stop saying that. It makes me have to answer questions. <laughs> is in it? Um, uh, he's you know he works for Blumhouse now and is a big wig. So let's talk about sort of just the fun of how it seems like people who are really into horror um, are just you know they they're into it and they like work on each other's projects even though there's like nothing in it for them. It's just Hey, I need some help with this stuff. And a bunch of people are like, oh, yeah, I'll totally come help on set that day or whatever. Or like, you know, their lower budget movies they're doing and stuff. Um, it's just fun. If you listen to podcasts like Shockwaves and uh, POV and like uh, sort of some of those, like a lot of people that they've talked to and we're on the podcast and stuff. There's just a lot of those people represented in this documentary. It's just kind of a fun watch. That sounds interesting. It's weird. It's weird that there's like a horror community that exists in in it. Everybody who like rallies around watching monster movies and movies where people stab each other are all super nice. It's it's very strange. (laughs) Right. And then over the weekend, I had to get out of my house because I've discovered since, uh, you know, since I'm getting a divorce soon, which I don't think I've said out loud on the show, but now I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. Um, weekends are usually not good for me because I don't usually have a whole lot to do. So even though 
Like I'll work on some articles or something, but usually if I'm just home by myself for too long, I start just getting too much into my head and I need to get out and just do something. And good luck for me. Um, there's a museum in town that has like a giant movie screen. Like literally it's called the giant, giant theater. They call it giant screen theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like an IMAX screen. Like it's not officially branded, but we do have an IMAX in town. And I think this screen's even bigger than the IMAX one in town. Cause we don't have, cause I don't think we have a full IMAX at our theater. Yeah, no, they have those kind of, I don't know, I don't know what they call them, but they put them in. Yeah. Yeah. They're still the bigger than a regular screen, but they're not like the yeah. go, go to Chicago and see something on IMAX where it's like a ginormous, like, you know, 10 stories tall sort of screen or whatever. Um, but I think our museum one is, is bigger than the IMAX in town. So it's pretty big. And they do show like classic movies down there uh, on occasion. And I've been telling myself lately, you know, I need to start going to see more old movies in the theater. Um, Even if I don't know what the movie is specifically, I should probably still just go. Just, you know, because why not? Yeah. Um, But I actually knew which one they were screening this weekend. And I'm not a huge like James Bond person. Like I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones. I've seen a couple like Pierce Brosnan ones, but I was never like Bond was just never my thing that I was into. So I've never seen a Sean Connery James Bond movie before. And they were showing from Russia with love. Okay. And people say that's apparently the best Sean Connery one. Um, I'm sure that's subjective, but just heard people talk about it before and that's what they've said so and i was like you know what if i'm gonna go see a sean connery one why not go see one that supposedly is one of the best and i get to see it on this super ginormous screen so went and checked it out um really enjoyed it thought it was good for some reason um what i've heard uh like apparently the first couple weren't like super like gadgety type stuff, but I guess we kind of associate with the Bond movies. Okay, is this one? Uh, no, I mean there is like one thing they Q introduces like this suitcase that like has weapons hidden on it, but it's not like you know, uh, you know, push this button and it turns into a motorbike and you can ride away. You know, it's not something like something like that or anything. It's just like push this button and like a knife comes out the side that you can grab and then stab somebody with or whatever. But it does have like a built-in bomb mechanism that if you, that's a flashlight. <laughs> what would you would You fuck it, Bond. Uh, but it does have like a bo- like a bomb mechanism so that like if you're afraid someone may like try to steal your suitcase and open it, like it'll blow up in their face unless they open it a certain way. So, I mean, there's stuff, there's stuff like that, but I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not the super crazy stuff that would come later. Um, yeah. So bond is supposed to go meet with some girl who apparently is going to defect from, uh, from Russia, from the Russian side. Uh, they're in Bulgaria, I believe. If I remember correctly, 
And the big thing is she has like a, uh, a decoding device that the Russians use. And if they get their hands on it, they'll be able to decode like any secret messages or whatever that are sent. And so it's like a big get, like we have to get this girl, we have to escort her safely. And of course people are trying to kill her. So, so of course they get together and of course James Bond sleeps with her like 20 times during the movie. And, uh, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's just fun sort of spy stuff. And it's not too campy that it's completely over the top. From what I understand, I guess that's more of the Roger Moore type movies kind of fall into that. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't, I'm not a Bond guy, though. Yeah, same. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I I completely understand why people really enjoy Sean Connery's James Bond. Like, I thought, thought it was really fun, really interesting. And, uh I can finally see why people were into his uh, his Bond movies. That's interesting. I should maybe give some of those a watch because I've, I've just never been really into Bond. It's not that I have anything against it. I just yeah. don't. I never got into it. And if you never got into it at a younger age, it's all of a sudden it was like, should I sit down and try to make it through this 45 film franchise? Or? <laughs> right. Oh, Jesus. I don't know what Noah's doing. Um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, the big thing about this one, uh, which I didn't know until I got to the theater, is that uh, Robert Shaw is in this movie. Oh. And I was trying to think, I honestly don't know if I've seen him in anything other than Jaws. I feel like I've just never caught any of the other movies he's in. So he's like this blonde, like really in you know really good shape and almost like an ex- what they use as an example of like peak like assassin perfection for the group specter and he's sort of on bond's trail the whole time even though like he's not the villain that they're technically going after he's almost like a third party that's showing up to this and robert shaw was great in this yeah what year is this uh look uh, it is 63 okay uh, the interesting thing is Robert Shaw doesn't say a single word till maybe an hour into the movie then uh, like he's in a lot of it but he's sort of lurking in the background or you know something will happen and then camera will slowly like you know do the mysterious music as it pans over and oh there's robert shaw coming just around the corner meaning he totally heard everything they just said um yeah he's great he's fantastic and uh of course him and bond like get into fisticuffs later and the whole scene's done really well so yeah if you're looking for uh, one to step into I think uh, I would definitely check out From Russia with Love. I really enjoyed it. Feels like I'm just going to have to listen back to this episode and watch all the movies you're recommending because you're, you're you're just doing a good job of selling them, or you've got my attention with some picks. <laughs> uh, the other thing, last thing I watched, uh, which Noah said he might watch but never confirmed, is the uh, Murderville Christmas specials on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. You did watch it. What'd you think? 
I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I agree. The rest, the resolution at the end where they clearly just go out of their way to do it wrong was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, if nobody's watched Murderville uh, on Netflix, so Will Arnett plays like a, a grizzled detective in L.A., and every episode he's giving he's given like a celebrity like trainee that has to follow him around on a case. And the funny thing is, it's not a celebrity playing a character. It it literally is the celebrity. It's almost like the Scooby-Doo movies where they'd have a guest star like every episode. So like Conan O'Brien's in the very first episode and he is Conan O'Brien, late night talk show host. Um, but the gimmick of the show is the celebrity guest star is not giving, not given a, a script whatsoever. So they pretty much have to improv their way through every scene. And then, uh, at the end of the episode, it's up to the celebrity to guess who the murderer was throughout everything. And of course, this just goes to hilarious results in, in pretty much every episode. And they did a Christmas well, special. They always come in and they're expecting to do this like improv activity, which is kind of in and of itself an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. But then Will Arnett just uses it as an excuse to like torture the guests. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, like this Christmas Christmas special is an hour long, so they had two celebrity guests, and and I'll say maybe a couple unannounced celebrity guests uh, throughout the episode. Um, that it's better if you don't know and people just randomly show up. But uh, Jason Bateman is his first one, and knowing how how like how much how. Best, how good of friends they are means that Will Arnett's just going to torture the shit out of them the entire time. And it makes it for fantastic TV. Because the good thing is Jason Bateman is like just always game and just goes along with whatever and is good at sort of just reacting to situations in typical Jason Bateman fashion. So it's it's great. And then uh, Will Arnett just treats him like shit the entire episode, which makes it even funny. Uh, so yeah, if you're if you're in a Murderville, or if you haven't watched Murderville and you should, uh, you should go watch it. And the good thing is, even if you've never seen the the series, you can just watch the the uh, Christmas special. Usually, none of the episodes really tie together, so pretty much watch them in any order. Uh, but yeah, the Christmas special is hilarious. So, definitely watch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, what movies did you pick for us for next episode, Doug? Well, we established that uh, since, since you decided to publicly announce your divorce and Noah's you know, living on his own, I thought, help you guys out. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go old school here and do some 976 number related movies for next week. <laughs> Jesus. For our younger listeners, that used to be the extension for uh, sex phone lines that you could call that they would advertise on TV. 
Um, and so we'll be doing Out of the Dark and 976 Evil. Ooh. Nice. Six. Oh. Call now. So I can't remember if it's this one or if it was the sequel, but I believe this one was directed by Robert England. He's yeah, he's involved in so I don't know to be honest. I've never seen any of them. So I I think that's how it ended up on the list was like I think I just saw the title somewhere and was like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> like Yeah, I've seen it before. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, and the other one I really don't even know what it is. Um <laughs> I think it was just something that I found when I was looking to match up with this. And yes, Robert England is the director of Nine Seven Six Evil. So, nice. does this one star uh, Stephen Jeffries? It's oh, whatever. It stars. Hang on, it's a different part of the page. I got to scroll to. <laughs> Stephen Jeffries, Patrick yeah. O'Brien. All right. So, this is the movie that. Uh, Evil Ed from Fright Night did instead of returning for Fright Night 2. So oh, they, that's who Steve Jeffries is. See, I didn't yeah. know that. When you said his name, when you, didn't, when you called him anything except Evil Ed, I had no idea what yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, so they wanted him to come back for Fright Night 2, and he decided to do 976 Evil instead. Right. Which, I can, which I can sort of understand, because he's the main character in 976 Evil. So I'm sure he was like, oh, I'd rather be the lead in something. I can kind of understand that, but I, I would have yeah. rather he play Evil Ed. In yes, and that movie would be better if it had him in it. So, yeah, yeah. definitely wouldn't be worse. I guess still working though. Eh? I clicked on this oh, IMDb yeah. because you brought him up, and I'm like, he's got movies at least until 2017. Yeah. Not good, not good movies. In 2014, he was in The Day of the Living Dead, which is. Not something I will be watching, but you know. Yeah, he uh, he took a little uh, detour for a while and did a bunch of gay porn, and, uh, and that's not um, even a joke. He that's literally what he did. Okay. Um, and then he kind of made a comeback in like low budget horror movies. So, sure, whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever works. I mean, you got people got to pay their rent, people. Um, a judgment here. I, I hope I hope he was doing gay porn because he wanted to be doing gay porn now because he was so desperate that he felt like he had to. But no. other other than that, whatever. <laughs> oh, look at that! The gay porn makes it onto his IMDb list too. <laughs> oh my God! Semen training day. <laughs> Halfway house hunks. Porn names are hilarious. Well, this was just trans, transsexual prostitutes. That's pretty lazy writing. <laughs> Come on. People related and put their mind into transsexual. <laughs> oh, good Lord. God, he was in one called Butt Blazer. Porn <laughs> uh, movies are great. I don't know why they're necessarily on on IMDb. I don't know if they uh, if, if, if yeah. when he's if he wants people looking at this when he's wait this is this is interesting. Transsexual prostitutes, nineteen ninety eight. But I keep scrolling, and transsexual prostitutes two is in nineteen ninety seven. How does that work? Well, maybe transsexual prostitutes, nineteen ninety eight, was like the third one. 
It's like like the Rambo thing where they just started naming them all Rambo. <laughs> Pretty I don't much. Know. <laughs> I mean, they film a whole lot of movies at once, and they just release them. Just just drop the ball. Release them in the wrong order. <laughs> Also true. I mean, they did that with uh, Missing in Action, which we covered on this show. That's a solid point. Oh, there's one called The Cockpit. I mean, that's a... <laughs> it's got to be like a, a Top Gun type of situation, I assume. Anyways. Uh, I was trying to scroll, scroll past all that to get to like the actual movies he was in, but there's, there's a lot of that, it turns out. Yeah. I mean, he had a whole second career, and then he came back to his first career, and yeah. we're doing horror movies again, so. Okay. Good for him. I remember seeing him at a convention, and I felt bad because there wasn't a whole lot of people at his table. Like, this was his his uh, comeback from gay porn. Oh, yeah? I felt kind of bad. I mean, I, I still didn't go up to his table. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't care that much, but... I was just like, oh, come on. This dude's trying to, like, cheer everybody up. And be like, hey, remember me? I'm Evil Ed. Nobody wants to talk to him. That makes me sad. Hey, you want to go talk to him? Oh, fuck no. I got other stuff to do. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, that should be fun next week. Let's see, I don't know. I've never seen either of these movies. I don't know very much about either of these movies. I've seen both of them. Uh, it's been a while since I saw 976 Evil. I do assuming, remember. I'm assuming that one will be like free on YouTube somewhere because I haven't looked for it yet. But Maybe. Uh, I do remember Out of the Dark being uh, just sort of like a sleazy 80 slasher, which I'm totally down for. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for with both of these. I'm assuming some of the victims are the girls who answered the phones at these sex hotlines. Uh yeah, that's definitely for get out of the or for out of the dark. Um, Plus, I'm not gonna lie, like twelve year old me is very curious what those sex hotlines are like, and I'm like, maybe we can learn some of the behind the scenes work. <laughs> <laughs> that weird world before the internet where you would call a phone number to try and get, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Teach their the, own. I'm not judging if if anybody wants to call those numbers. I don't know if they still exist or not. There's still people who do that as well, and no, I don't, I don't understand. Teach their own. Like I'm not here to, I'm not here to tell. I'm not here to kink shame anybody. As long as it's all consenting adults, you do what you want. Well, like somebody that uh, my soon-to-be ex-wife used to work with, her husband, like you know, her her friend's husband. Her friend caught her husband like running up his cell phone bill, calling his 1-800 numbers. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, does he realize that there's porn online for free? Like, I don't understand what the fuck he's doing. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess it, like, it costs money. Oh, it's yeah. A big one. I was going to say, like, why does she really care? But I guess it costs money. It costs money. That's... Oh, yeah. Like, it was, like, a lot of money that he... he uh banked up on this cell phone thing. I don't seem to recall it used to be like two ninety nine a minute in the commercials. I don't know. Yeah. The first minute was always cheaper to get you hooked. Of course. Otherwise, what's the point? Anyways. 
I'm sure we'll have lots to say about that industry next week, so we'll save it. <laughs> uh, trying to see if 976 evils on. Uh, uh, well, this one says it's it's the full movie, but it looks to be about 15 minutes shorter than the one before it, so I don't know. If not, 976 Evil 2 is definitely online. Or on YouTube. Well, you know what? Well, depending on how it goes with the first one, I might be watching that anyway. Cause it's true. The idea that there's a whole franchise of them is interesting to me. <laughs> Didn't say we everything we had to say in the first movie. You got to bring it back. Hey, man. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to gotta retell the story in a, in a new way. Or expand on the character development. You know, I'm sure that's what happens. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.